From the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly. I got to say, love the name Max. That's my my puppy dog's (laughs) name. Uh, Who have just recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. It actually makes learning pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I listened to this with my son, and it was so fun to listen to. I loved how modern it was with a cool ant that they really dug, and like they dealt with bullies. Uh, My son also enjoyed all the math involved. Like He thought it was really cool. Well, and I have to say, I love anything that brings learning and fun together for kids. I really, really wish that something like this was around for my teens when they were younger. We would have absolutely devoured this on our car trips. It would have been amazing. It's perfect for kids ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my delightful co-host, Brie Tucker. Well, hello, hello, everybody. How are you? I can never say your name without singing it, ever. Like, I just, <laughs> inclination, like, impulse, 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 impulse. But we're actually recording separately today because I'm fighting a bug and I don't want you to get sick. And I appreciate your thoughtfulness for my health. It is very, very, <laughs> I, I like that. I appreciate that from the depth of my heart. And I personally say that you use this as you're out for, t- for your, your weekend plans. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that, honestly. <laughs> no, but like we're supposed to go camping this weekend and there's supposed to be a cold snap coming through where we go camping. So it is just... I'm wondering how to get through it. I'm feeling good now, but my son is not feeling so great. And my daughter just texted me from school that she's not feeling great. And it's only say, like, two days away from the camping trip. And I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah. As we are recording this, I am hearing the ding on your phone of mom, come pick me up. <laughs> yeah, it is probably mom, come pick me up. Uh, and it's it's so hard, though, because like this camping trip, I get sick every single time this camping trip happened because this was the same camping trip that remember Brie last year uh-huh. I drove myself to and then I had to like drive myself back home because I was shaking in the car when everybody was on a hike yep so already I'm like I I don't know if this is a good idea maybe this is your body saying that you know camping in November in Arizona is just not for you maybe that's it's just that not is. for me Maybe yeah. it's just camping isn't for me. Like I it, – it's hard to like realize that and accept it in yourself because there's a part of me that I'm like, I'm tough. I could do this. And there's a part of me like, this is so unpleasant. Why am I making myself do this? I think that maybe your body is trying to tell you a story about how this is not what you should be doing. But that's just me. I'm also not a camper. You're way well, better like sport about this than I am. Give me a give me a, the most camping I will do is either in a camper or in a cabin. That is my idea of camping. See, that's the thing. Like I love being outdoors. I love hiking. I love the fresh air. I don't love sleeping in the cold on the ground. That is what I don't love about it. I like being outdoors too. I love being out in nature. Just don't want to sleep on it. Nope. Mm-mm. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> don't want to get woken up in the middle of the night hearing noises going, what the hell? 
heck is that? I don't, I don't appreciate it. No. That kind of stuff actually, it doesn't bother me. Like when I was a camp counselor, we used to have these tents, but they were, okay. So when I say tents though, they were platform tents and there was cots in the tent. And so when you like, like, quote unquote, vacation, like, like National Lampoon vacation. And they like have those tents, remember that's by the river and no, I don't remember that one, unfortunately, but I'm assuming it's probably the same thing. It's probably the same thing. And so I had a little mattress. It was a thin little mattress, but it still was like, it was off the ground and like waking up in the fresh air. And we used to sleep with all the flaps open, the counselors, so that you were just woken by this morning light. And it was lovely. And I was warm inside my sleeping bag and it was great. It's so much different than sleeping on the ground, even if you have an air mattress. And it was also summertime when I did that. Yes. It was warmer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there's a lot of it's things about that. Totally different experience. But like one of those things is like knowing what your body needs and how you are, which I think is a great segue into our guest today, who is Sarah Moore. That's fantastic segue there. We Because we talk a lot about like, this is a fantastic interview. We talk about this style of parenting, that uh, story, story teaching. And uh, really bringing the fun back into parenting by doing these story teaching and taking the shame out of it while acknowledging your own nervous system needs, which I found fascinating in this interview. So Sarah Moore, she is the founder of Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting and the author of the new book, Peaceful Discipline, Story Teaching, Brain Science, and Better Behavior. She's a certified master trainer in conscious parenting, and Sarah helps bring the joy, ease, and connection back to families. And we hope you enjoy our interview with Sarah Moore. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast, Sarah. I I am so excited to have you here because I have been following you on Instagram for the past few years. And the advice that you give parents is just so loving and so based in the research and the understanding. And I, I just love you. So welcome to the show. Oh, well, what a warm welcome. I love you too. And thank you for having me. I'm really touched. Uh, I I started your book that is, it's coming out soon, right? The time we're recording this, has it come out yet or is it coming out? You know what? Out? I have to tell you, I'm going to start this with like the craziest thing. It was supposed to come out in January. Amazon made a mistake and released it yesterday. Oh no. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's still in the final proofread stage. So it still has a couple of little bumps. And yet I have to tell you this, I, I woke up in literally like tears of joy it was out for less than a day, and it is number one new release on Amazon for school age children and top 50 in two other major competitive categories. I am like embarrassed for the typos and the two paragraphs that were missing that will now be added, FYI, but it just blew me away because this was an accident, and yet I don't really believe in accidents, and I am so 
thankful and so humbled that already out of the gates when I didn't even expect it, it's like going places. It's going to people's houses. And I am so thankful. It's a happy accident. It's a happy accident. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody sent me a meme this morning of Bob Ross. If you remember, you know, the painter with the amazing. Yeah. Happy little. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. And it was like, there are no accidents, you know, just something he said. And I was like, that's right. I'm just going to paint this into my life and it's all good. Yeah. And congratulations on the great showing of it. Like it's so wonderful when we think that something is imperfect and we resist like putting it out into the world and then it comes out and we realize that, oh, that everybody like loves it. It's amazing. And I want to dig into your book right now because I I have theories on why it is so popular (laughs) because you started out right away with the story that I think that so many parents have gone through um, in talking with a pediatrician. Can you share that story with us? I would be happy to. Yes. So when I was a brand new mama, learning all the things for the very first time, I was doing what so many of us do, which is, you know, you get the advice from all the places. Some of it meets with your instincts and some of it goes against your instincts. Well, I went to her four month, my daughter's four month wellness check. And the doctor was everything you would want on paper. So I naturally trusted him. But he thundered into the room and basically said, you know, I'll skip a little bit because it's in the book. But essentially, he said, by the way, if she ever cries, make sure you don't pick her up because she's manipulating you. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, what my teeny tiny four month old baby. I don't think she can do that. Like, of course, she's a mastermind. (laughs) Exactly. Ah, She was plotting from the womb, right? Right. So, yep. They have that capability. Don't we know? No. You, you gave birth to mastermind. Remember that movie? The old dude at the big exactly, yeah, she the world domination by age 10. Like this, this is yes. right. This is not what happens at four months old. We have all the research in the world now. And when he said that, even though now I can talk about it and do talk about it very passionately and with great conviction in the moment, I froze. I was so stunned by what he said that I just kind of let it sit in my body. And I went home and actually backing up for a second, he could tell by my facial reaction that I was not on board with his recommendation. I was going to pick up my baby every time she cried, whether it was day or night. But he looked at me square in the eye and said, well, Sarah, just come back and let me know when you're ready to get serious about parenting. <gasps> I cannot no. like it. And I that's when it was like it is probably it was probably a gift to him that I didn't really react and that I froze because I was later so livid. But I took this information home. Number one, never saw the man again when that's not the kind of ped- pediatrician I want. But yeah, fantastic decision. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Found a much more sensitive, responsible, and educated, informed pediatrician for future reference. And he was great. But went home and started doing all of the research on why I absolutely should pick up my baby when she cried. It's all out there. And I started to write about it because I've always loved writing. And people started asking questions. People started paying attention. I wasn't really doing it for anybody else but my own edification so I could process what I was learning. And that was really the basis for my quest to help educate 
other parents who, no matter their child's age, whether they're four hours old or 40 years old, all humans want and deserve a connection-based response every single time. Hey, all. It is Joanne. And Bree here. And we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire, like, went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just, like, skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And (laughs) active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Most definitely. And I think like so many of us moms, we know that intuitively that we should be picking up our kids. And I have a similar story to you when I had my firstborn and I was just, at first I had postpartum depression and anxiety, but I came in and they're like, have you read this one book? And it's a book I won't name and mention, but it was something about like timing feedings and making sure that, so you know it, you know it. And I read it and I'm like, 
And I, tr- I started trying it because I knew nothing at that time about like what babies needed or how to like parent. And it just did not work. And I felt like a failure because of it. But parents mm-hmm. are being given these totally like unrealistic expectations, not even based on like the science or anything. And yep. so I love that you immediately dug into why do I feel this way? And like, what supports my feelings and why is this the best course to take? Well, thank you. And I'm sorry you went through that. I also had postpartum anxiety and I'm so glad we can talk about this and normalize it because it's so common. And that book, oh my goodness, linked with failure to thrive. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I love that we are now at a place where we know we don't have to parent perfectly. In fact, so much of my book talks about mistakes that I have made Quick little aside, when I told my daughter that I was writing a parenting book, she legitimately looked me in the eye and said, oh, mommy, is it about how to make mistakes? You're really good at that. <laughs> like, hmm, well, thanks. I'm going to take that, take that as a positive. Kind of, it's freeing. It's like, we want our kids to make mistakes. So let's, <laughs> let's normalize mistakes. Let's normalize that. Yeah, it's a fantastic <laughs> thing. It stings a little. But it's yeah. a, it's it's a good sting. Yes, yes, and it's like, burns as it goes down. Yes, yes, yeah. you know, let's just normalize being human, and that's so much of what I want to do in this book. I want to normalize that we are not going to get it right every single time, and yet we can do some very specific things in our parenting that actually make parenting easier, and we can take books like the one that Joanne read and the one that I know about, and Bree, obviously, you know it too, and we can say. Thank you very much for the recommendation and toss it out the proverbial window, right? We can use right. it for fire kindling. Right, right. It's really good for that. But I will yeah. say this, like, what a fantastic gift is it that we are giving our kids that we can acknowledge that we've made mistakes and we can show them how you can learn from those mistakes and you can grow. So like, not only does that give our children the ability to not to be less likely to grow up with that pressure of perfectionism, like that I have to do everything perfectly, but it also gives them the ability to, I don't know, be humble and maybe not, you know, throw a temper tantrum every time they don't win an election. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Right. Now it's, it's really raising kids to be that way and accepting mistakes. So I love that your daughter like pointed that out and that you are normalizing the mistakes that we all parents make because we all make them. One thing that I found really interesting about your book is this concept you have of story teaching and like teaching kids about emotional intelligence through the stories that you tell them. I first read it and I'm like, I am not a storyteller. How can I do this, Sarah? So could you give us like the rundown of your three types of stories that you use or even just like how you came to this method? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, for you, Joanne, and for anybody else on the planet who has that same worry, I am not a storyteller. I have good news for you. You have a part of your brain called the hippocampus that is a storyteller. You don't have to do this consciously. It does not have to be anything tricky. There is no book report required. Storytelling is something we do naturally in conversation all the time. So the first thing I want to do is redefine it from something that requires incredible creative prowess to just conversation where we're talking about things with our kids. And there are three different types of story teaching, as I call it, that we can do. We can do proactive story teaching, which is we know something is going to come up. So we need to talk about it. Mm -hmm. 
We can do in the moment story teaching. All right, things are going sideways right now. And I need a way to help get things back on track. And we can do retroactive storytelling. Something didn't go the way we wanted, or perhaps it went beautifully and we want to repeat that. We can work through stories about that event. And all three of these speak directly to that beautiful hippocampus. And again, nobody has to memorize the fancy brain terms, but that fancy (laughs) part of the brain that says, I want to remember this because the memory is actually the key to storytelling. And when we use stories to directly go straight to the memory center, it makes our children so much more likely to remember them in the future. So we don't have to keep spinning our wheels, teaching them and reteaching them the same things over and over And it makes parenting so much easier. Yeah. And I love this concept because there has been so much um, work done with seeing like the power stories and cultures and how people used to tell tales to uh, enforce like morals or to really make sure people steer cleared of danger. Uh, So using this in our own parenting is so interesting to me. I want to dig into each of them individually. So let's start first with the proactive storytelling. Um, What kind of situations do you see that like parents could use this proactive storytelling? Sure. So many. So first of all, we know that many of the situations our children are going into, they're going into for the very first time. It might be learning to use the toilet on their own. For little kids, it might be going to school for the first time or childcare. It might be going to the first birthday party. It might be going to junior high for the first time. The good news is this actually does not expire. So I don't want anybody to think this is just for little kids. You know, I'm 48 years old and I still learn this way too. So we can talk about things that are going to happen to help create emotional safety for the child. So I have some sample stories at the back of the book um, to illustrate for parents the types of stories they can tell. And I will be very forthcoming and saying, these stories are not perfect. I am not a children's book author. But for example, I talked about using the toilet for the first time. We might read about baby bunny watching mommy bunny use her litter box. But that's something that the little child can picture in their brain and have an emotional anchor to where they have started to feel safety around the concept. And next thing you know, it doesn't feel like this big, scary transition when it's their turn. Same thing with all of the other examples I gave. We can simply tell a story about it. By the way, it can be fact or it can be fiction. It can be baby bunny or it can be, you know what, I'm going to switch the example because I don't actually remember my toilet journey, nor would I want to. It's okay. That would be a phenomenal memory if you did. I would say like you you need to bottle whatever it is you got going on in your brain there. I forget where I leave my keys 10 minutes ago. Oh, right. right Yeah, for sure. But it could be something like, you know, I remember that I remember a time when I had to go to school for the first time and it was a new school. And I remember feeling really anxious about it. And here's what I did to, number one, realize what I was feeling. And number two, figure out what to do with those feelings to create safety so that I was more comfortable before I even walked through the door. But we can share fact Mm -hmm. or fiction. And it's all fair game because it's something the child can picture and they can learn through that experience. I I can't. 
that you can share your own stories when you're doing the proactive storytelling with your kids and being like, I, I was nervous about going to school too. And here's what happened to me and just sharing your own experiences. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause we all have firsts. We continue to have firsts for so many years. And as adults, we sometimes forget, Hey, this is my first time ever going to a play date, you know, like no big deal. We think it's just, it'll be fun, whatever. But for a child, it can feel like a really big deal. Mm-hmm. I think it's so huge. You you can't say that enough about sharing your own experiences and your own emotions, because like you're talking about building the trust with your children, that really helps them understand that, oh, my mom or my dad, who I, I look up to them and they are so smart and they can do so many things. They've been scared too. They've been anxious too. Oh my goodness. Like it helps it be less, it it does help it be a little bit less of a taboo and less of a scary thing for them once they hear that other people have been through it as well, but especially their own parents. For sure. And going through things scared too, like how scared is a normal emotion and it's okay to be fearful, uh, but like you use certain steps and skills to get through that fear. So I, I love that the proactive what does the in the moment storytelling look like? Because my big thing within the moment is sometimes when our kids are experiencing a huge event, our own emotions are so amped up that I would think it would be really hard to come up with a story at that time. So what does that look like? Yeah, totally valid question. And once again, good news for you and me and every other parent and caregiver out there. We don't have to be creative, especially if we're feeling triggered. Those things cannot coexist, right? So I will share a very quick example of what it looked like in my home not that long ago because I wanted to be relatable. And by the way, I've got a whole lot of examples that people can read in the book to help no other ways that it might work. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not 
my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. But I remember one time a couple of weeks ago where my daughter was not coming to the table for dinner and she had to come into the kitchen and wash her hands first, but she was busy playing. Well, I was tired. I was hungry. Apparently, I forgot that I have two legs and I could have walked over to her and engaged her in a gentle way. But instead, I was calling from the kitchen, come wash your hands, come wash your hands. And every time I asked, I was getting more and more frustrated. And my desire was actually, I confess, it was to yell. I am not typically a yeller, but I was, you know, like I said, I was all the things and I was really getting frustrated. So I actually decided, and I've got permission for everybody to do this in the book, I actually decided to lean into what my nervous system was telling me to do rather than try to fight it. The difference was rather than yelling angry words, I yelled Come wash your flippers. We don't want to have that penguin problem again, right? And I, part of me, in the moment was like, what just came out of my mouth? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But next thing you know, I had a child standing next to me, looking up at me eagerly, like, what are we doing? This is essentially playful parenting. And I have a whole section about playful parenting and ways to incorporate it in the moment, even when we're triggered. But she came over and I was like, yes, remember how last time we couldn't eat our fish? I don't even eat fish, but she's like, you know, you couldn't even eat your fish because you hadn't washed your flippers. Let's make sure to wash your flippers. Next thing you know, she's walking over waddling with, you know, penguin feet. And we're having a happy dinner together with no argument whatsoever. So we both had a peaceful dinner and I went to bed that night not feeling like a jerk of a parent, which is how I want to feel at night, right? Yeah. So like really looking at the silliness of it and like trying to figure out like how you can change in the moment to one of like frustration to bringing a little levity. Exactly. Yeah. So much of it. You can sing, you can, you know, do a dance, whatever. You can do what your nervous system is telling you to do. Because when we try to fight against it, that's when we actually get more resentment and more, you know, bottled up anger inside that's just going to look for a vent in the volcano to come out. But if we can just go with it, it makes it so much easier for all of us. I I love that. I'm like, my brain is turning a little bit right now. You got me thinking, Sarah, because I'm like, so often we try to go against our nervous system and say like, oh, nervous system, you need to calm down. We need to take a break out of it instead of just leaning in and maybe turning the situation to make it just a little more fun, but having that same amount of energy come out of us and be released. That's cool. That's really cool. For sure. Yeah. Part of that actually comes, I've got a lot of really random training in my proverbial tool belt, but I used to do improv comedy and there's a concept of yes and. Yep. The yes and is basically if somebody tells me I'm a kitty cat, I start meowing. I just go with it. And it's the same concept where if my child is like, you know, mommy, let's be, you know, outer space people. All right. This is going to make our conversation easier today. And we're going to put on like our moon boots before we go out the door. Like it just goes with the natural language of childhood, which is play. And there's so much in the moment stuff we can do like that. That That is fun. I'm going to try that next time that I am frustrated and just try to lean in a little bit. How do you think that'll happen if I bring up the flippers when my teens don't come down for dinner? 
<laughs> I think they would come down just out of like, what are you doing? <laughs> you have the element of surprise. Yes, you have that fun. I was going to say the shock factor, the whole like completely different realm. And again, it's like you said, like yelling that lets that pent up feeling come out, but not in a negative way. So I love that. It's really cool. That. Thank you. Let's, uh, the final form of story teaching that you have, the retroactive teaching. When would you use that? Yeah. So this is, in my opinion, the gentlest form of behavior correction. Let's say, for example, that, and I'm making this up on the fly, so you're testing my improv skills. Let's say your child goes to school and you get a report from the teacher at the end of the day that the child hit or bit or kicked another student. And it's something that you're going to need to address because maybe it's a recurring problem. Maybe it was a one-off. We really don't know. But you, you don't want to just leave that, right? So the damage is already done, but we don't want to shame our children. We don't want to tell them that, oh, you made a mistake, whatever. That only makes them want to hide their behavior and not really learn what to do instead. So here we can use a story, again, fact or fiction. I'll make up fiction just because I'm already in improv mode here. Um, once upon a time, there was a kangaroo who had an extra kicky foot. And the foot often kicked its friends when it didn't mean to. And the next time it felt like kicking, here's what it did instead. And you can simply tell something to the young child. And again, it doesn't require a huge amount of creativity. I did it on the fly and I just went, okay, what's something that kicks? I'm thinking of something with strong legs. My brain goes kangaroo. This is something that I can do in a way that my child will remember because of, again, that hippocampus that loves to have a visual connection and the child then knows what to do. And you don't even directly have to say, Oh, your teacher told me you got in trouble, which is just going to feel terrible. Instead, we simply tell a story in a way that the child can remember it for future reference. I like the extra kicky kangaroo. I was going to join in with you on the improv game by filling in words for you. <laughs> you know, the group storytelling. I love it. Yeah, How that works. I, and I love that example too, because like you're also really taking in mind that the child didn't do this um, to be like mean or to be bad or like any sort of assumptions that you made of why the child did the behavior with the story you just took like here was the action and here is something that we can do to prevent that in the future or you can try to prevent that um that's so much fun it's it's a fun way to parent and it's so interesting too because the brain science really backs us up that's the brain science component of the book because we know, for example, that the prefrontal cortex, which is the front part of the brain up here, doesn't fully develop until between age 25 and 30. Well, what does the prefrontal cortex control? Things like impulse control, thinking of consequences of actions, whatever. So odds are really, really, really good that your child did not wake up that morning and say, I'm gonna kick Jimmy today. I'm gonna do it at 3.02 p.m. on the playground. That's Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like that four month old baby that is trying to manipulate. You. Right. Right. Exactly. They just don't have the ability. No, not at all. So we can work yeah. with the brain instead of against it. That 
I love it. You've given me so much to think about. And I hope uh, that anyone who's listening right now, like you are going to take something that Sarah suggested today and use a story in your parenting. Uh, Sarah, what are you excited about right now that's coming up for you? Oh, my goodness. Well, personally, let's see. My very own mom, who I haven't lived close to for more than 20 years, is moving 20 minutes away from me. So my grandma better. And she actually taught me my original story that was, you know, I've got it in the book. She taught me a story that I have carried forward to my daughter as well. And I just love that I'm going to be able to hug my own mama soon. Oh, that's amazing. Well, and you're also excited about your book. Oh, yeah, there's that. The thing that wasn't supposed to happen. That that is awesome. Well, I encourage everybody to go get Sarah's book, which is now available on Amazon. (laughs) And uh, it's just it has so many great stories and great examples that I know it's going to be a help to so many people. So thank you so much, Sarah, for being on the podcast. We could I have so many more questions to you and we could talk forever. Uh, But it was so great talking with you today. We will chat anytime you want. And I am sincerely thankful for you and the good work that you do in the world as well. Thank Thank you. you. We'll talk to you later. Our conversation with Sarah, it really got me thinking about more fun and bringing the more fun and how you can use that yelling that she talked about to do like fun things. Like I'm already thinking about it. I'm like, what should I do the next time that my kids look at me when I ask when the dishwasher might be unloaded? Should I be like, hmm, those cookies. And I can't even think of it, Brie. I can't even think of it. <laughs> okay. So my mind automatically, if we're trying to do this, I have to go the funny route because that's how I am. I would be thinking mm-hmm. about like a, like where the dishwasher is overflowing with bubbles from everywhere and the kitchen is full of bubbles and everybody's slipping and falling and slipping like, you got to come and be the dishwasher because we don't want it to explode again like it did last time. But that's not funny though. I think we're very self-critical about our funniness. Well, I will say this. Maybe the piece, the missing piece that we're having is that Sarah did mention her improv training. Maybe that's... That and I think also leaning into what you're good at. Like she's really good at the improv. And I'm thinking right now is like, I usually use songs for everything. And I'll just like break out in songs. There you go. Right now I'm obsessed with Panic at the Disco. As you know, I just saw them in concert. And so I'm singing this song, Sing It Louder. So I could do like the dishwasher and I'll be like, load it louder for the people in the back, 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 back. (laughs) And like- (laughs) And it's funny because I do that a lot. Like I I work in songs, especially Hamilton. We sing Hamilton songs a lot. And the kids, they just kind of kind of cringe. But my son is now dancing with me, which I love. Um, So maybe it's just leaning into what you're good at in the moment. It is. I think that is I think that is a big message of of what Sarah said, like just leaning into Leaning into that parental gut, what you've got going on there, and always realizing too that there are lots of happy little accidents around. Yeah, happy little. And Brie, you could bring out the movie quotes. I could. Oh my god, my kids already <laughs> told me that that makes them like that's what makes me cringy. I'm like, why am I so embarrassing to you? My teens are like, because you quote movies and nobody does that. And I look at my husband, <laughs> and he's like. I quote movies and I still love you. And I'm like, all right. Good thing that us two nerds have found each other in life. I say lean in. And when they're older, they're going to find themselves quoting movies. And then they'll like put the hand to their mouth and be like, oh my gosh, it's my mom. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm just like my mother. But it'll be such an inherent piece of their personality. They won't be able to let go of it. And then they'll realize like, this is it. I think like long-term I'm like, they're going to realize that 
this is actually really fun. In the like 20 years or so, they're going to come to me and be like, yeah, you know, I give you a hard time about that. And I'm sorry. They will. Mm -hmm. They will eventually. So we hope you enjoyed our interview with Sarah. And uh, remember, the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you. And we'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.